Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Just quickly before we bring John Shannon in, I I need to clarify something. I made a mistake. Uh, I read a text incorrectly, and it occasionally happens. Was it Steve who texted? Yeah, Steve texted us and said, would uh, Tyson Berry want to come to Edmonton? Uh, That is the question, and I read the text as why would Tyson Berry come to Edmonton and then Steve got some criticism saying hey man like of course you know look at the opportunity here well, some things would have to happen and so I just want to clarify that for Steve I personally believe that uh, Edmonton would make sense for the Berry camp that's my own personal interpretation a guy that saw Tyson play a lot this year it didn't work out for him in try and, and John obviously there'd have to be a move made on the Oilers defense um but Tyson Berry can legitimately run a power play. He can legitimately play north of 20 minutes per game. Brian Lawton talked about him in the previous segment and said, look, like he showed last year in the playoffs he can defend. What is your take on Tyson Berry? Well, I mean, I, let's face it, uh, and, and I, I actually don't think it's fair to, to, uh, to talk about his time in Toronto in many ways just because of where he was put in the roster and up and down to the injuries the Leafs had. When you looked at how effective he was for Jared Bednar, uh, in Colorado in the last couple of years, uh, I, I think that uh, I, I think he would I think he would fit on most teams, and I think obviously he would fit on the Oilers when when you know darn well, Bob, in this day and age. And uh, we I, I, I did a podcast earlier this week about uh, with Scotty Bowman, and he, he you know he he talks about it incessantly about the ability to move the puck out of your zone, and Tyson Berry can do that, and he can be. Uh, he can be an offensive weapon at times. You're right about the power play. So, yes, absolutely. And, and let's face it, I, I do know that in the past few years in, uh, with previous administrations that they did kick tires in Edmonton to bring Tyson Berry in. Uh, so uh, there are still enough people in the organization from that period of time that, that I'm sure that, they're, that given cap responsibilities and given what the cap is, I'm sure there'd be still be some interest in having Berry be an oiler. Yeah, uh, and again, they'd have to make a, a move in that regard. Uh, you mentioned Scotty Bowman. You're doing a, a podcast with uh, Canadian broadcast icon um, Bob McCown. You've had some big-time I guests. I thought I was the Canadian broadcast icon. No, you're uh, our. I'm just. Uh, I'm just. You're, you're our NHL insider. You're not an icon, I'm just, though. I'm just filler. That's what I. I'm just you, filler. It's a, you're not. You're not filler, but you are. Uh, 
<laughs> you have started a couple networks before. Uh, hey, and speak, uh, speaking of which, look, uh, a loss yesterday, obviously, in the hockey world. Uh, you were out west a lot back in the uh, 1980s. Uh, the Oilers played the Jets a ton. Um, for me, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, Dale Howard Chuck was kind of the physical embodiment of the Jets. You know, he was kind of an underrated Let's face it. I mean, he was like second highest scoring player in the league over about a ten year run. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that would make him a superstar in the NHL. That team in Winnipeg at times was underrated, and certainly Dale was underrated. Is that a fair assessment? Underrated and overshadowed, uh, and, and uh, I think that that's one of the key things when you look at the '80s and look at look at what happened in Alberta and how good both Calgary and Edmonton were at times. And the Jets were always the bridesmaids. Uh, you know, they never, if it was, you know, they beat Calgary once in the playoffs. Uh, but the, they were never able to get over the hurdle of, of winning consistently with the Alberta teams. And, and I would argue there was a couple of years there that uh, maybe Winnipeg was the third best team in hockey because the first two were in Alberta. Uh, so, so Dale Howard Chuck plays in New York. If he plays in Chicago, if he played in Toronto or Montreal, Dale Howarchuk would have received ten times more acclaim, and he received a lot of acclaim. But he did not get the acclaim he was due because he played in the smallest market at that point in the National Hockey League, overshadowed by you know the the the, the Edmonton Oilers of Wayne Gretzky and and the, the Calgary Flames of, of Doug Gilmore and Joe Newendike. You know what's interesting, John, like as an Edmontonian growing up, you know, you're, you're, you know, it's ABC, anybody but Calgary. And, um, you know, the Canucks through the late uh, 2000s and into the early 2010s, they were a team a lot of people didn't like. Like they had, you know, some guys in their team, Lapierre. Uh, sure. He, he well, was jokingly. That whole attitude in Vancouver. Right. And, and it, my friends jokingly called him Yap. Pierre because he was always chirping and didn't always back it up sometimes. And obviously, Bieksa, who, by the way, I think has been very good on uh, Sportsnet, uh, but Bieksa was a, a cocky guy in the ice that could back it up. That needs to be established. Kessler, not everybody liked, like, they were, that, that team was not a popular team. Um, so the Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton thing is real. Like, they don't like each other's teams, they don't like each other's markets. Yeah. Winnipeg's a little bit different. Like, Winnipeg, to me, are a bit like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the CFL, where a lot of people think the Riders are, like, their second favorite CFL team. Everybody kind of – I think there's a lot of people around the league that have kind of cheered for the Jets, even dating back to when Howard Chuck was a well, Jet in the 80s. Well, I, but I think, that, you know, the Edmonton-Winnipeg relationship – and, listen, there were some pretty good playoff games between the two. Um, but I think that dates back to the, they were kissing cousins coming out of the WHA. Uh, you know, they ha- always had that in common, was that, they, you know, they were they were the stepchildren being adopted by the National Hockey League in 1979. Uh, and so there was always, there always was that bond uh, between the two cities and the two franchises. Uh, so so from that perspective, I, I do think that there was something different. You know, but the, but the Jets, uh, with everything that went on with Winnipeg, uh, the, the Jets were just, they were never to ever to get get over the hurdle um, because of the Alberta teams, and then and the stigma. They never they never invested in big dollars. I mean, let's face it, the team moved because 
you know, they, their ownership wouldn't take the chances that ownership in Edmonton took at times. Uh, and I think that that's uh, now whether Edmonton guy ownership should have taken those chances, uh, only bankers will know for sure. Uh, but uh, th- that was part of it. Uh, and, and so from, from that perspective, what, what Howard Chuck stood for uh, was, was at a point where even late in his career in Winnipeg, when he knew he wasn't contributing, he quietly asked for that trade. Uh, and, and it didn't become public. And because they, if, he had, if everybody had announced he was going to get traded, um, then, uh, then they, they wouldn't have gotten near the value. And, and they got good value for Dale and, and, and Phil Housley. The one thing I would say about Howard Chuck, uh, and this is more current than anything else, Bob, great players rarely become great coaches. Yep. And Dale Howard Chuck has become a became a great coach in Barry, uh, and and he, he will have influence in the National Hockey League on the ice for another fifteen to twenty years, and that's something to be so proud of for what what Howard Chuck did for guys like Mark Scheifele, Brendan Lemieux, Andreas Athanasiu was one of his. Um, you know there there are uh, Aaron Ekblad. There, there are are lots. Svechnikov, Andrei Svechnikov, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there are there are a ton of players that came out of the Colts organization, uh, prepared for professional hockey because Dale Howard Chuck prepared them for professional hockey. Yeah, I know. Uh, he and his his family should be very happy about that. How about uh, in a little bit of irony? Uh, I met the owner of Barry. Uh, Jack Michaels and myself, uh, and this is when we we found out uh, that Dave Semenko was in tough shape, and uh, we were at a gathering with a group of people, and uh, how he was there, and uh, you know, just talking. To, and one of the comments that got made was that Dale Howard Chuck knows how to breed offensive confidence in players because he doesn't kill them for mistakes, and that's why we have guys that pan out out of, out of our organization, and it's a pretty. Uh, interesting uh, comment, right? Is just that you know he he would allow his young players to grow, and uh, again, it's such a sad day uh, with Dale Howard. Check. I thought that both networks, uh, you know, I watched stuff on both networks. They did a terrific job on it yesterday. Yes. The league did a really good job on it. You tweeted something out last night, John, after uh, Robin Lehner went and shook hands with all the players in Chicago, just about the time honored tradition, mm-hmm. and here we are in these. COVID-19 pandemic times and we're all practicing social distancing. Uh, everybody's in a bubble. It, it still is a pretty cool thing about hockey, isn't it? Well, it is. And, and I mean, when last night um, we, we saw, we saw the, the, the line in the, uh, in the preliminary round, but they were doing the elbow taps. Uh, yeah. last, night was, last night, led by Jonathan Taves, glove removed and the handshakes returned. Now, we've had three weeks of testing in the National Hockey League in the bubbles, 25,000 tests over that period of time, zero positives. So there has to be an assumption that those groups of players who are living in that bubble in Edmonton um, are are safe. But Jonathan Taves took the glove off, the handshake handshake started, uh, and to me that that uh, that was not a revelation, but that was just a... Uh, a sigh of relief that uh, a little bit of normalcy in the in the hockey tradition was had returned, and 
uh, I, I couldn't resist uh, saying something about it. It's uh, now Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard in that lineup last night was amazing in the in taking the time to say words to every player um, uh, on the uh, uh, on the Blackhawk roster, and and it seemed the last handshake he had was Kirby Doc, and he seemed to have some special words for for Doc at that time, at that period of time. So, by the way, uh, uh, you know the, that that shot alone, and the the knowledge of knowing to stay with Leonard, uh, you know, there's lots of times in the TV world we don't do things right, and that was one of those ones where they, where yes. the, the people producing the world feed in, in Edmonton did things right. All right, John Shannon joining us right now. Well, you talked about normalcy, uh, and we're a ways away from, and it's sort of the, the quiet but before what I do think will be an actual storm. I know we joke every year, oh, this is going to be the busiest trade deadline ever. Oh, it's going to be a wild off season. Oh, man, July. Yeah. John, I, I, I think this isn't going to be like uh, The Bachelor where everything's the most dramatic rose ceremony of all time. I do think it is going to be wild once we get done here between the conclusion of the regular season, once that gets, you know, uh, fait accompli and gets done, and we start rolling into the draft and teams rebuilding their teams because we've got minimal amount of cap space for some organizers. The Islanders got to fit in Barzell and Pollock. Uh, St. Louis has got to fit in Petrangelo. Um, the Maple Leafs got to rebuild their defense. Edmonton's got to find a way to squeeze some more juice into their team and build greater depth. There's going to be, I, I, I think there's going to be lots of movement going around because we have limited cap space. We have some teams that want to have a self-imposed cap like Pittsburgh. It could be a wild ride, couldn't it? It, it, it could, but uh, unlike previous years, and this is just this is just my own personal opinion in talking to a few people, uh, you know, and and you know the, those of us that were on TV, we set deadlines, at, you know, the noon deadline and three o'clock and this and that. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a, an avalanche, pardon the pun, of events on one day, because I think it's going to take times to figure everything out. Uh, and I think it's going to take time for those deals that you talk about to come to fruition. Uh, sure, we're going to have a draft um, in October. Sure, we're going to have, you know, free agency come. But I don't think there'll be, uh, like, a, a bevy of signings at 12.01 Eastern time when the day is set. I don't. I think it will take time as teams try to figure out what their dollars are what their budgets are. And remember, um, one of the fascinating things is that lots of guys get signing bonuses. A lot of guys sign, you know, that uh, yep. even in the new deal, you're allowed to do it. Um, teams don't have cash right now, Bob. Teams you nailed don't it. have lots of cash. There's going to be a t there's going to be lots of negotiation between teams and players about, well, hold on, I don't ha I, we don't have that type of money. We don't have that cash coming in right now, so we can't give you that, you know, $15 million deal with $14 million <laughs> in a signing bonus. They just don't have it. Yeah, it's going to – I think there's going to be some trades. That's, that's what I like. Well, I, think there ha I think there has to be, and, then, you know, and, and, and you know, what's going to happen is that we're, we're opening up the whole no-movement thing one more time, and there's going to be teams that are going to have to request players that they really like uh, to do it, and there's going to be some bridges burned. And that's, it, it's going to be, you're absolutely right, it's going to be a fascinating off season. 
Um, and, and, and the other part of it is that we, even though they put December as the date for the start of the season, I don't think we really know when the season's going to start. In 2020, with COVID, do we know anything? No. COVID's, COVID's making the rules here. Like, that's all there is to it. You can have the best laid plans, but you got no control over this one at this stage. Well, which... certainly, uh, certainly we, we understand that in this country. I'm not sure they understand that in the other countries. But when it comes to the National Hockey League, 24 of the 31 teams that are going to be in the league next year, John, they're in that other country. So. Yeah, no, I know, I, I know, and, and you know, I mean that. Be, so that that becomes a key question: is how do you manage that? Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, the, w- w- listen. When we heard all about the bubbles, there was. I guarantee you, Bob, the first discussion of all the bubbles was both were going to be in the United States. Both were going to be south of the border. Um, there was a better chance when they announced it that there was going to be two U.S. bubbles than. Than, than two Canadian bubbles. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everything changes, again, because of COVID, everything changes all the time. Um, but, I mean, uh, and, and, you know, what are the options going to be to start the season? And what are the options going to be to allow people to get in the arenas? Well, I, and- I, I, I still think that that's, the, that's vitally important to starting next season is how many people can get in the arena, if at all. And if people can't get in the arenas, Really, in many ways, what's the point in starting the season? Well, and remember, the players had already received 92% of their money this season. And so the league had to recruit some money back. Uh, But if we don't have fans in the building, the players don't get paid, period, because we're not playing. That's just kind of how it works. I mean, other than the guys that have the guaranteed uh, uh, signing bonus dates structured into their deals. John, great stuff. Uh, We will talk again, my friend. Okay, Bob. That's John Shannon from... This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Our uh, NHL insider at 151 in Edmonton will come back and wrap up orders now after this. Hi, this is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Ched. Thanks, Zach. It's 153 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and a takeout option as well. Uh, eight dine-in locations for Royal Pizza. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation is the Mediterranean chicken. Brendan Escott, we are going to go to this day in Oilers history, and it's a memorable one. 
Big time. Back in 1982, after three seasons in orange and blue, the Oilers trade defenseman Risto Siltanen to a Hart- to Hartford for Kenny Linsman and Don Knockbauer. Now, Linsman spent two seasons in Edmonton, scoring 75 and then 67 points. Knockbauer uh, played just four games with the Oilers. There's a third part to that deal that was pretty significant. Do you recall what it was? Silton and went. Silt, uh, so Linsman came from Phil, uh, from Philadelphia uh, through Hartford into Edmonton, and there was a player that went from Hartford to Philadelphia, and he was really good for a long time for the Philadelphia Flyers. Mark Howe, and uh, so it was a three-way deal. So Silton and ended up going to the uh, Whalers. Mark Howe went to the Philadelphia Flyers. The Oilers got Kenny Linsman and Knockbar. Uh, Kenny Linsman, after two seasons, Kenny Linsman scored, I think he scored 10 goals the year the Oilers won the Cup in 83-84. I know he had four game winners that year in the playoffs. Uh, Kenny Linsman then got flipped to the Boston Bruins for Mike Krucielniski. Now, what occurred during the 83-84 season is that the Oilers committed full-time and Mark Messier committed full-time to playing center. So Lindsman centered Anderson and Messier, uh, but then uh, they went with Mark Messier down the middle, and so there wasn't the need. Kenny Lindsman was a highly productive player throughout his NHL career. Of course, he had one of the greatest nicknames of all time, the Rat. So the Oilers turned around and then traded Lindsman for Crucial Niski, and Crucial Niski in 84-85 scored 40 goals for the Oilers. So he was, uh, he was a 40-goal scorer during the course of last season. Mark Howe, pretty good player for a long time, worked for Ken Holland for a number of years as a uh, high-end uh, scout in the Red Wings organization, finished up his NHL career. His final three years were uh, with the Detroit Red Wings as well. Tomorrow, wow, what a show. It's uh, Well, it's Truculent Thursday. That's all you need to know. NHL Hockey and Rogers analyst Louis DeBrusque. For our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication and solar, Brian Burke. And Edmonton sporting icon. Former Oiler, George LaRock. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Carrie McCarthy, followed by a simulcast of CHQR 770 with Angela Coquet. Have a wonderful Wednesday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.